booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone else. FTX founder Sam Bankman fried under arrest in the Bahamas after his multi-billion dollar collapse of his cryptocurrency exchange. New York State moving to ban TikTok from all government and contractor devices due to espionage concerns. Treasury Secretary Jan Yellen admits there's a recession risk in the new year while pointing to positive economic factors that could fend off the economic downturn. History's repeating itself. COVID hospitalizations are again disproportionately affecting the elderly population, similar to what happened in 2020. It's anchors away at GMA3 as the network investigates the alleged extramarital affair of T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach. Sam Bankman Fried, the founder of failed crypto exchange FTX, was arrested in the Bahamas Monday. He is expected to appear in court today. His arrest after U.S. prosecutors filed criminal charges against him and are expected to seek extradition. He faces charges related to the collapse of FTX and its sister trading firm, Alameda. The Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to today file separate charges related to alleged violations of securities laws. Bankman Fried spoke a few weeks ago about legal advice he had received during a video link interview with the New York Times. I didn't ever uh, try to commit fraud on anyone. I I was excited about the prospects of FTX a month ago. Um, I saw it as a thriving, growing business. I was shocked by what happened this month. And, you know, reconstructing it, I, where are there things I wish I had done differently? Cryptocurrency exchange FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. That was on November 11th of this year. Following a swift fall from grace, the company's valuation plunged from $32 billion to bankruptcy in a matter of days. On November 16th, a class action lawsuit was filed in a Florida federal court alleging that Sam Bankman fried created a fraudulent cryptocurrency scheme that was designed to take advantage of unsophisticated investors. The U.S. House Financial Services Committee said it will hold a hearing in December 2022 on the FTX collapse. Well, a bill that's been introduced in the New York State Legislature would ban New York's employees as well as its contractors from downloading TikTok onto government-issued electronics. The proposal is out of fear of Chinese espionage. New York would be the sixth state to ban TikTok from taxpayer-funded devices. South Dakota's Governor Kirsty Nome spoke to Sean Hannity about putting a similar ban in place last week. Listen, we know the threat that China has been for decades and decades. They've manipulated their currency, stolen our IP, built up their military, threatened us and and attacked our allies. Um, we know what their agenda is. We have to recognize that they're using this app to gather more and more information from American citizens that they can use to harm us in the future. And states like Texas, Maryland, South Carolina, South Dakota, Nebraska have already made moves to block TikTok on taxpayer-funded devices. ByteDance, which owns TikTok, has argued that steps are being taken to safeguard U.S. data. 
A growing number of economists and CEOs are sounding the alarm about the U.S. being headed for a recession. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is not necessarily in full agreement, but admits there is a risk of a recession in the new year needed to bring down inflation, she says, while also pointing to positive economic factors. She appeared on 60 Minutes. So I believe inflation will be lower. Um, I am very hopeful that the labor market will uh, remain quite healthy uh, so that people can feel good about their finances and their personal economic situation. Yeah, and of course, the former chair of the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Central Bank, is in charge of setting American interest rates. Yellen cites things like a healthy job market, a downturn in shipping costs, and the shortening of delivery lags, pointing to trends that are fending off recession, she says. Well, COVID is once again disproportionately afflicting older Americans, similar to what happened during the height of the viral pandemic in 2020. And uh, in China, for example, Sha Zhong, an official with the Chinese National Health Commission, spoke during a press conference a few weeks ago about China's plan to push more vaccinations for their elderly population. For those vaccinated and for those who have completed four-course vaccination for people above 60, 80 years old, uh, 76.6% and 65.8% respectively of the people above 80 years old. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is finding that many U.S. states, including New York and California, are finding that the rate of COVID hospitalizations for seniors now exceeds BA5, BA2 and Delta Waves. Well, T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach won't be returning to GMA3 while ABC continues its internal investigation into their alleged off-air relationship. According to Page Six, there is no clear timetable on just how long that review will actually take. Well, Democrats are trying to tie Congressman Kevin McCarthy, the Republican out of California, and the likely House Speaker in January 2023. Three marks made by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican out of Georgia. Now, Greene said that January 6 rioters would have been armed if she had been their organizer. During a gala on Saturday for the New York Young Republicans Club, Green hit back at claims that she and former Trump advisor Steve Bannon planned the January 6, 2021 event. Then January 6 happens, and next thing you know, I organized the whole thing along with Steve Bannon here. And I want to tell you something, if Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won. The congresswoman tried to soften her remarks on Monday, arguing that they were sarcasm. Meanwhile, the DNC Democratic National Committee wrote on Twitter, Marjorie Taylor Greene just said if she organized January 6th, it would have been armed. This is who Kevin McCarthy wants to give power to if he becomes Speaker of the House. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana announced a bid for Indiana governor on Monday. The first-term Indiana senator made his decision official during a luncheon at an Indianapolis steakhouse. You cannot solve the issues of today with career politicians out east. That was the main reason I decided to come back. And Indiana should be a national leader for freedom, opportunity, and prosperity. Should be a beacon for that. So Senator Braun joins what is expected to be a crowded Republican field vying to secede Governor Eric Holcomb. Braun's filed paperwork for a campaign late last month, and his announcement came just hours after other candidates announced 
Braun, a wealthy businessman, first won his Senate seat in 2018, funding most of his $11 million campaign with personal funds. Virginia's Governor Glenn Youngkin on Monday scheduled a special election for February 21st. It's to replace the late Representative Donald McEachin. McEachin, first elected to represent Virginia's 4th Congressional District in 2016, died at the age of 61 late last month after being diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Last month, McEachin made an appearance at the premiere of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever in Richmond, Virginia, where he stressed the importance of regular cancer screenings. I can't stress to you enough the importance of early detection. Mm-hmm. I know many of you all have watched my journey and understand that I've had any number of health issues. Nearly every single one of those health issues is related to the radiation that I had to undergo to deal with. Um, to deal with my colon cancer, my rectal cancer, actually. So the seat not expected to flip, though. The district is heavily Democratic, with McEachin handily winning a fourth term weeks before his death. And two Democrats, State uh, Delaware Lamont Bagby and State Senator Jennifer McKellen, have already filed paperwork with the Federal Elections Commission to run for that seat. Elon Musk's Twitter has dissolved its Trust and Safety Council in a surprise announcement. That's the advisory group of about 100 independent civil, human rights, and other organizations that the company formed back in 2016. It was formed to address things like hate speech, child exploitation, suicide, self-harm, and other problems on the platform. Twitter informed the group via email that it was disbanding prior to its planned meeting last night. Republican Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn reacted to the Twitter files on Fox Business. What we know is that the left figured out if they could control what you see, say, what you think, they control how you vote. And they did not want to try to do this through the government, so they had Twitter work with government agencies or all of these big tech platforms. So this email said Twitter was reevaluating how best to bring external insights, and the council is not the best structure to do this. An estimated 800 to 1,000 migrants, mostly from Nicaragua, crossed in mass into the U.S. at El Paso on Sunday. And that is among the largest single crossing along the West Texas border in recent years, according to federal authorities. It was the second time in recent months when large migrant crossings threatened to overwhelm U.S. resources. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in September told MSNBC that the department is doing its job. Well, we are doing so much, uh, Jose. You know what our policy is? Our policy is to enforce the law. And that is indeed what we are doing. 53,000 migrant encounters have been recorded by border agents around El Paso in October alone. More encounters than at any other section of the U.S.-Mexico border. Federal agents have recorded a record number of encounters along the entire southern border, nearly 2.4 million in a year-long time frame. 77 WABC News Time, 515, and that means it's time for Justin Ellicott to look at sports. Hey, Justin. Hi, Dev. I am Justin Ellick here with the early news sports update here on this Tuesday morning. Here we start on the ice. The Rangers, they had the Devils last night. Beat them 4-3 to three in overtime at the Garden as the Blue Shirts. They try to close the gap between them and the first place Devs in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, back and forth about all night long. Rangers were down 3-1, to one, came all the way back. It's all scoreless third period. That brought the two squads to overtime where Philip Heedle, he signed off on two points 
for the blue shirts. Panarin reverses. Chance of Igor up from the crowd. Panarin taking it away from Tatar. Shot by Heaney. He scores! He scores! And the Rangers win! The win marks four straight for New York and allows the Rangers to leapfrog the Islanders for fourth place in the division. They'll try and make it five straight come Thursday night at the Garden against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And over to the hardwood here, the Nets, they keep rolling. They beat the Washington Wizards 112-100 to in D.C. for their fourth straight victory as Brooklyn continues to mesh after it looked like their earlier season turmoil might mean their demise. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving continue to lead this team in the right direction with 30 and 24 points respectively. Kyle Kuzma and a familiar name, Kristaps Porzingis led the way for Washington with 20 points each, but it wasn't enough to slow down the surging Nets, who are now just four and a half games removed from the top spot in the East. They've hopefully got another victory lined up on Friday night in Toronto against a struggling Raptors team. And, of course, Monday night football, wrapping up Week 14. Your New England Patriots, not your New England Patriots, who cares? The New England Patriots beat the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, down uh, a down year for the Cardinals. Officially hit rock bottom, though, in the first quarter. A star quarterback, Kyler Murray, he was carted off the field with a potentially serious apparent knee injury. Murray is scheduled to undergo further testing today, including an MRI, but sources are saying that there is little doubt that it's torn, referring to his ACL. And looking ahead to action tonight locally, you got on the uh, ice the Devils versus the Dallas Stars in New Jersey at 7 p.m. And the Islanders, they're going to be in Boston against the Bruins also at 7. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, Justin. Here's Lou Dobbs with your financial report. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Investors looking to build on yesterday's gains with the next rate hike looming this week. All three major indexes moving higher. The Dow up more than 500 points. Wall Street will have its last key economic report before the Fed's interest rate decision. The November Consumer Price Index forecasts to have risen modestly up 0.2%. Wall Street targeting a 7.3% increase in the CPI year over year. The Federal Bank's last meeting of the year begins today. Wall Street targeting a 50 basis point rate hike. Investors weighing how long the fight against inflation will go on. Meanwhile, consumers more optimistic about inflation. The New York Fed's latest survey of consumers Consumer expectations at the lowest level in months. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Checking futures. Everything's in the green this morning. The Dow up 38 points, 0.17% at 34,327. S&P up seven. The Nasdaq's climbed 24 and three quarter points. Gold at $1,794.70. That's up $2.10. Crude oil at $73.64 a barrel, up 47 cents. Another death at the notorious Rikers Island jail. 38-year-old detainee Edgardo Mejias died at the Anna M. Cross Center about 5 p.m. Sunday, according to the Department of Corrections. Now, he's the 17th inmate to die while in custody so far this year, though others died shortly after receiving compassionate release. There were 16 DOC-related deaths in 2021. Now, threatened with a federal takeover of Rikers, DOC Commissioner Luis Molina testified that staffing shortages at the troubled facility are part of what he is trying to correct. We've lost 20 percent of our staff since 2019, and we're currently working with OMB to assess what is the right operating levels needed to operate the, the Department of Corrections. 
In November, uh, federal uh, Judge Laura Taylor Swain denied a request from lawyers representing detainees on Rikers Island who are demanding a federal takeover. The DOC convinced the court the city needs simply more time to make changes. The commissioner said that the latest death will be thoroughly and completely investigated. New York State has a new hate and bias prevention unit. The unit will address the rising tide of anti-Semitic and other hate crimes throughout New York State. New York's Governor Kathy Hochul made the announcement on Monday. This announcement came as the governor and New York City Mayor Eric Adams met with Jewish leaders to discuss security and anti-Semitism ahead of the start of the Hanukkah next week. When we do not rise up and speak with a strong voice, calling out the perpetrators of hate speech and hate crimes, then we become complacent and complicit. The governor said the agency will spearhead public education as well as outreach efforts serve as an early warning detection system in local communities and also mobilize rapid response in places where a bias incident has occurred. The meeting comes amid a spike in anti-Semitic hate crimes across the city. A crime is down in New York City's subways, so why don't strap hangers feel safe? 77 WABC's Bob Brown reports. Transit crime is down more than 13% for November compared to November of last year. Still, Transit President Richard Davey admits many riders don't feel safe. We have to solve this problem, this issue and perception, and try to beat back the crime we do have in our system. Because subways need to be safe and they need to feel safe. He says there needs to be more so-called transit bans for certain crimes committed in the subway system. I'm Bob Brown for the 77 WABC Early News. The NYPD has arrested the 18-year-old boyfriend suspected of fatally stabbing his 16-year-old girlfriend at a Harlem apartment on Sunday evening. 18-year-old Zaire Crumbly is charged with murder in the death of 16-year-old Shania Lawrence, who lived on West 112th Street in Harlem. Police say Lawrence was pronounced dead at a hospital after cops were called to an apartment on Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard on a report of a stabbing around 5.40 p.m. on Sunday. A neighbor who wished to remain anonymous spoke to NBC4 New York. I always had concern about what was going on in that apartment. Just a lot of odd, you know, behavior. I've heard people um, just moving back and forth like, you know, it seems like they were running um, at different times and also, you know, throwing different things. Police say the stabbing resulted from some type of an argument, although details of the nature of that dispute are not clear at this time. An investigation is underway into the shooting of four people. This happened outside of NYCHA's Mott Haven houses in the Bronx. 77 WABC's Alex Barnard reports. Police say a suspect opened fire shortly after noontime yesterday on East 141st Street. One victim, a 53-year-old man, was shot four times. A 38-year-old man, a 39-year-old woman, and a 41-year-old man were also shot. Mott Haven resident Clarissa Alayeto spoke to ABC7 about the incident. My concern is that it's just nonsense. It's, it's the gun violence back-to-back is happening every day in our communities. And my biggest concern is that our community is numb to it. All four victims are being treated at Lincoln Hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. A motive is not yet known. For 77 WABC Early News, I'm Alex Barnard. A day after the new school and its part-time professors reached a new labor agreement, following a 25-day strike, the remainder of the fall semester is unclear for students. 
Over the weekend, the new school posted online that classes would pick up again after the 25-day strike without providing detailed information. Now, back on December 5th, the school's president, Dwight McBride, said that the best way to restart school was to try to finish the work and grade the semester. He spoke to New York One earlier this month. That's what's fair to the 600 students who are ready to graduate this month. That's what's fair to the one-third of our students who are here on visas and must have their letter grades in order to maintain their student status. On Instagram, the new school announced a deal between union leaders and the university. Some students vented, though, their frustrations that the school is rushing them back with little planning after almost a month off. As part of this new agreement, the university will compensate part-time professors for work outside the classroom and do things like make improvements to its health plan. As of the fall semester of 2021, there were approximately 10,000 undergraduate and graduate students in attendance at the new school. Well, just like a pizza, you can now get weed delivered right to your door in 30 minutes or less. 77 WABC's Noam Layden has a story. Brick-and-mortar cannabis stores are not open yet in New York, but regulators giving the green light today to home delivery of weed. The state's Office of Cannabis Management has told 36 dispensaries that they can make deliveries to customers anytime anywhere. Buyers can order online or by phone. You'll need to pay for the weed and edibles up front and provide ID your 21. Deliveries will be made by bike, scooter, or car right to your home or place of work. For early news, I'm Noam Layden. 90-year-old woman finally getting a college degree more than 70 years after beginning her college education. Frank Diaz reports. Joyce DeFaw graduated yesterday from Northern Illinois University with a Bachelor of General Studies degree. I came to Northern in 1951. I was the first one in the family that went away to college. My major was early elementary. DeFaw dropped out a few semesters short of graduating to get married and have children. She returned to the school in 2019 after being encouraged by her family to finish her degree through online classes. For 77 WABC Early News, I'm Frank Diaz. Well, the holidays are here, and it is time to help make a difference. This holiday season, the Red Apple Audio Network is teaming with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation for our annual holiday radiothon this Thursday, December 15th from 6 a.m. to noon. Help us raise money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation's Season of Hope. All the money raised will bring hope to America's military and first responder heroes and their families this holiday season. You don't have to wait till Thursday. Right now, you can donate $11 a month or more at T2T.com. Happy holidays and thank you from the Red Apple Audio Network and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Go to T2T.com. If you missed the top five at five and other news, be sure to check it out on our website, wabcradio.com. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.